at the start of this bus journey, an American traveller kind of sat next to me, just on my left, and he asked me, asked me what I did. I explained I wasn't too happy with my job. And he basically said something that changed my life. He said, well, if you're not happy, you should uh, do the rocking chair test, which is essentially to imagine sitting in your rocking chair at the age of 90 and think about what's your legacy in the world, who you've helped, have you left the world in a better place, who's going to remember you and and for why. And that was a pretty profound moment at the kind of – uh, the start of a, of a 18 hour bus journey, 30 minutes in, and I was listening to all those questions and I said, my God, no, 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 I've not done anything that's actually going to make a significant difference. If I die tomorrow, no one's going to remember me. There's no actual, I've not left the world in a better place, you know? So that really struck, struck me hard. And, uh, while everyone else was asleep on the bus, I was kind of bolted upright thinking about my life and <laughs> what, what I need to do to make changes. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup You, inspiring and supporting entrepreneurs to make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, Virgin mentor, and founder of Startup You, the regional partner of Virgin Startup, providing startup funding, mentoring, and support. Each episode features the stories from two entrepreneurs at different stages in their journey who talk us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hayes, who are the number one recruiting experts in the UK. Whether you're searching for your perfect job or looking to scale your business by building the perfect team, go to hayes.co.uk, quoting Startup You. Welcome to episode 69 of Screw It, Just Do It. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell. And on today's show, I am going to play for you my favorite episodes of the last year. Yes, next week on May the 15th, it will be the first year anniversary of the podcast. Screw it, just do it. Uh, in that time, we would have had 69, 70 episodes. Um, we've also had 17 live events from three locations. And selfishly, I've decided to pick my favorite episode. Um, but what I would also like you to do is select your favorite episode as well. So I'm going to be putting that out on all social platforms. I would love for you to choose your favorite one. Before I let you know which one mine is, um, there's a whole bunch you can choose from uh, to choose your favorite um, I'm not going to list them all, but ones that jump out at me are um, Lewis Howes that I had on from the States, Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas, um, Chris Ducker. All those guys have got uh, top 100 podcasts worldwide. Um, also, some massive giants of industry from Ted Baker, founder Ray Kelvin, um, to Richard Reed from Innocent some local heroes from, from where I live, people like Jimmy Cregan from Jimmy's Ice Coffee, a um, whole bunch of people that you can that you can choose. If you haven't caught up on all the episodes, um, please do. Um, some of the most fun ones that I had, you know, with the face-to-face interviews, without a shadow of a doubt, not necessarily the Skype ones. Um, Jamie and Ed from Candy Kittens, um, great fun. Likewise, um, Fleur East, 
um, Clive and Nick from Weight Gym, um, Gary Turner from Zero. All really, really good fun um, and engaging interviews. Some amazing stories. People like Damien Lee from, from Mr. Lee's Noodles, who was recently in the, the Maserati Top 100 in the Sunday Times uh, back at the weekend. Um, some, some fantastic people that I've interviewed and I've, I've in each way taken something from each interview. Um, so all you need to do is either engage socially when you see the posts or drop me a message at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, on Twitter or email alex at startupu.co.uk. So without further ado, I am going to choose my favorite of the year. Really difficult one, obviously. Um, but for me, this one is going to be Jamal Easel, um, founder of Social Enterprise Change Please and 2017 Lloyds Bank Social Entrepreneur of the Year. Um, as you heard from the from the intro quote there, um, really powerful story, really resonated with me. Um, the rocking chair test, you know, reflecting back and, and this being very much a reflective time after doing this for a year. Um, people ask me any any regrets I said the, the only regret I've got doing this is that I didn't start sooner that I messed around for three months thinking about it and how I was going to do it um, even though I had some interviews in the can um, so that is my only regret honestly um, obviously played around with the formula a little bit splitting it into um, two entrepreneurs on one episode then going to two episodes a week and then I kind of got to overwhelm stage so one is is definitely doable with all of the other stuff that me and my team do from helping people um, with startup loans, mentoring, the live events, um, all of the support that comes with helping startups and scale-ups. So Jamal Easel, um, Change Please is a business that he founded, essentially uses coffee to tackle homelessness. Um, they train homeless people to become baristas, provide a London living wage job, housing, bank account, therapy, support, um, they sell coffee across London through mobile vans. Um, Change Please is now far bigger than, than London. Um, it's now being stocked in Sainsbury's supermarkets nationwide and also locations in both New York and San Francisco after a chance encounter on Richard Branson's Necker Island. So the future is definitely one of hope and promise for Jamal and for Change Please. They've got some exciting news coming out in the next week or so, I believe, as well, which also relates to Virgin. So yet another connection there. So on this episode, Jamal and I talk about the rocking chair test, as you heard in the intro, um, making sure that you regularly review and celebrate. Hence, I'm just going to be celebrating a year of... Um, the podcast, screw it, just do it. Also talking about the benefits of, of networking. And also on a different tangent, we're talking rocket ships and parachutes. So um, just stay with us on that one and you'll be absolutely fine. Um, you may have missed this one originally when it came out because it was just before Christmas and you might have been pretty damn busy. Um, we did that specifically because it was a, a period um, when we try and highlight homelessness at that time of year. So any donations that you'd like to make, go to the Change Please website and enjoy let's start up i understand you came up with the idea originally for the business whilst on a trip to vietnam can you tell me a little bit more about what happened and how you came across the idea yeah sure so, so i used to work in the city i had a bit of um a third life crisis when i 
uh, turned 29. Um, and my partner, she was traveling around Asia. I just joined her in Vietnam on one of her stops. Uh, we jumped on a, on a bus going up through um, Ho Chi Minh City, up through the center of Vietnam. And um, at the start of this bus journey, an American traveler kind of sat next to, next, next to me, just on my left. And he asked me, asked me what I did. I explained I wasn't too happy with my job. And he basically said something that changed my life. He said, well, if you're not happy, you should uh, do the rocking chair test, which is essentially to imagine sitting in your rocking chair at the age of 90 and think about what's your legacy in the world, who you've helped, have you left the world in a better place, who's going to remember you and, and for why. And that was a pretty profound moment at the kind of uh, the start of an of a 18 hour bus journey, 30 minutes in, and I was listening to all those questions and I said, my God, no, 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 I've not done anything that's actually going to make a significant difference. If I die tomorrow, no one's going to remember me. There's no actual, I've not left the world in a better place, you know? So that really struck, struck me hard. And uh, while everyone else was asleep on the bus, I was kind of bolted upright thinking about my life and <laughs> what, what I needed to do to make changes. Wow. Um, so then a couple of weeks later, we were, we went to a place in Vietnam called Hoi An. It's kind of in the center uh, east. And on the last day there, they, we, we stumbled across this kind of silent tea house, which essentially was a tea house that was run by deaf and mute ladies who had no other opportunities in their, in their village and all either deaf, deaf or mute. And they got together and created this really incredible space. And the only rule in that space is, is that you're just silent. And it was full of tourists and it was just silent. And I just thought, oh my God, this is incredible. Kind of, you know, you, you're able to do business and good at the same time. And in 29 years at that time, I just thought that was a completely alien thought to me. It was all about previously about accumulating assets, making money, um, investments, you know, pension. What am I going to do in my retirement? All that kind of thing. And so uh, I left and I said, right, right I'm going to set up a silent tea house in Clapham um, when I get back to England. And then I kind of five minutes later thought, this is going to fail. I hate Clapham. I don't like tea and I, and I don't really like silence. This isn't really the start of a good business. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so I start, really started to think about my connection to any beneficiary groups. I used to rent my properties to people that were um, to, to councils and then they used to rent the properties themselves, sublet them to people that were homeless in emergency accommodation. Mm -hmm. And I thought inadvertently, I'm already renting to people that are homeless. If I could find a way of giving them a job at the same time, then this is one small step to kind of reducing homelessness. And that's where the idea came from. Instead of tea, it was coffee. And we came back to London. I, I, I saw a homeless person with a, cardboard sign saying change please and then a few days later i went to a banksy exhibition where banksy's got a, a bit of street art with a homeless person sitting on the street saying with their hand out saying keep your coins i want change and that was it i just for the first mm -hmm. time i realized the double meaning behind the the, the terms change please that we all hear yeah people who are homeless yeah. on the streets asking us when they're asking us for money but they're also asking us for change potentially, you know, in, in society. So mm. well, I decided to to call it change, please. And, uh, I started the journey. And, and t just took me through sort of timeline. So what, what year was that? And, and how long are we it, since it, since that initial moment in, in Vietnam? So that initial moment was on the 24th of April, 2014, sorry, 2013 apologies. So, um, that was now, uh, four exactly four years ago, mm. and I 
joined the School of Social Entrepreneurs and that was in February uh, 2014. Mm -hmm. And then we opened uh, our first social enterprise called Old Spike Roastery, which is in Peckham, yep. at the in October 2014. And we launched um, uh, uh, Change Please in partnership with The Big Issue in November 2015. So it's been four years since that original idea. And... Um, now it's uh, just come up to the second anniversary, second birthday of the Change Please um, launch. Okay, and and, it, and uh, t taking that back to the original part of the story, if if you are now in the rocking chair, how how much happier would you feel that you're actually making a change, or or indeed have made change? I mean, it's it's completely incomparable. I mean. Mm. The, the the most amazing thing that's happened in this journey is from having an idea, which is something that you just sketch out on paper and then actually seeing the idea come to life, but that could come to life in any kind of form of business. You know, you could set up a website, you could sell your first product, but in our case, seeing somebody, I, I didn't have any experience of homelessness or know anybody really that was living on the streets, you know? Mm. Um, so I didn't really know all of the areas that we would need to make a change to their life, mm -hmm. but actually seeing how the sale of coffee in our case is making a difference to someone getting their keys for the first time for their new flat or to being paid the living wage or to get their bank account, all those issues which they're struggling with all coming about through the sale of coffee just was such an incredible moment. So therefore, for me, being able to look back now and saying, actually, firstly, this model's worked in that first instance, but we're growing at such a speed that it's making, on a day-by-day -day basis, a real difference to people's lives. And that, you know, if I now, if, if that rate of growth continues, you know, I'm 34 now, just turned 34, you know, but if that rate of, rate of growth continues and we spread across the UK like we're doing to the US to Australia and so on and so forth that real difference it's going to make to people's lives internationally who are homeless just through the sale of coffee could be a massive um a massive thing which you know personally when I look back at the age of 90 in my rocking chair would be something that I'm proud of if I look back today if it all ended today then I'd still be very, very proud. Just probably a little bit more tired than uh, than when I first started. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that, that's awesome to hear because I, I know, you know, far too often and speak to so many people. We're, we're all striving um, to, to plan to, to plan out the next year, plan out the next three years, the five years, and it, you know, actually taking time out to review what you've done and and actually give yourself a, a pat on the back and celebrate how, that you've got this far. Is so far, so few people actually do that that it's. it's nice to hear yeah i think uh it's one of the biggest challenges that i face personally instead of just completely living my life by my diary and having new meetings and new opportunities and new rates of growth you know that we um that we, all kind of opportunities that come into our inbox you know taking a step back and just actually acknowledging what's happened is really important because just for your own mental health and your own ability to kind of refocus yeah. and being a bit more mindful um, about your current situation and what you've actually achieved, which then helps to give you the energy to kind of jump onto the next phase. This year has just felt completely like it's just been um, kind of almost a bit of a snowball where you, you don't really, you haven't really had a chance to look back. And I think that's something that I really want to improve next year and just look back at how, each month or each couple of weeks what we've achieved what we've done and, and and take 
and appreciate take a moment to really appreciate what's what's happened mm. and and you still feel uh in charge given what you've done this year or do you feel that you're you're kind of in a rocket ship and you're you're being just flying along as part of the ride <laughs> yeah i think it's a combination of both it's that rocket ship is um is definitely there we kind of sitting in it but it's we we've fortunately built up a really wonderful team around us um uh, for example, the founder of Coffee Republic, for example, the the CFO of Jimmy Choo and LK Bennett and some just, you know, a board which is just absolutely first class mm-hmm. and leaders of the th- of their previous kind of or the industry that they've come from. Um, and what they're doing is helping to make sure that that ro- ro- rocket ship almost has parachutes on it and is going in the right direction. Mm. So the growth and the speed is something that we always want to keep and we want to make sure we're still entrepreneurial in how we grow. But at the same time, we need to make sure that the trajectory that we're on is in the right direction. And we have, to use the same analogy, that parachute around us, which is kind of there in case that entrepreneurial decision doesn't really work out. So I think, um, sorry if I've stretched the rocket ship analogy. But, um, <laughs> you got a couple of rocket ships, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, so I think that, that we don't want to slow down. We want to make sure that the decisions that we're doing are the correct ones mm. and having the right people around us who have got that experience is really allowing us to do that. Uh, what, what Remind me, what's the name of the, the um, one of the founders of the Coffee Republic? Because I remember reading their book. I've literally read their book four or five times. It's one of the best books on how to actually start a business and learn from their mistakes. Oh, wonderful. So she, she's actually in the room next to me while, I'm, while we're speaking. No her way. name's Sahar Hashimi. That's it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. And oh, also wow. her, her brother, Bobby. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cause didn't she- and Bobby's gone on to set up uh, Pizza Union. Okay, because didn't um, she went on to set up a like no sugar sweet company amongst many other things? I know Skinny Candy. That's the yeah. one. Yeah, she sold that. Did she? Yeah. Okay, amazing. Yeah, I think that was a little bit ahead of her time. So yeah, it was great. And what what stage did you take on board? Start building the, the team around you. So maybe talk a little bit about the board that we, we're just speaking about now, and then the actual team. Um, you know, feet on the ground team as well as like the board members how early on did you go from one man band we the first say four or five months was all about us learning what we need to do who we are what's our kind of position within the the coffee market and i think slowly there's a bit of a tendency to kind of see the first people that come along who you know know what they're talking about and try and get them involved to give you support and um and I just wanted to kind of hold back a little bit and make sure that actually the people that do join the board are people that are genuinely going to invest time, energy, um, relationships, um, and also add value mm. as opposed to coming and doing this as partly a vanity project. Yeah. And, uh, we, I've, I think that's one of the, the reasons that we've grown so quickly because we've chosen some really incredible people who have joined our organization to kind of, and it's just, you know, for example, the, the person who was the previous CFO of, of Jimmy Choo and then the COO of LK Bennett to now work with us kind of three days a week and donate her time, um, for free. And it is just, you know, incredible for us, you know, from a financial perspective and managing our, our finances. So it's, it's making sure the people that come on are the right people and they're actually going to invest time. And that for me was absolutely fundamental in our growth. I'd seen situations in the past 
where especially social businesses were surrounded by people who wanted to help and do good, but they ended up being a slight strain on the business because you also have to look after mm. them as individuals and their personalities. But, um, you know, just we really tried to make sure we took the time and assessed everybody that wanted to join and really selected the best of the best to kind of be part of, of what we're trying to do. And was that people, you you reaching out to those individuals or, or them come across, in, sorry, coming across you um, through the press or through contacts? It was a combination of both, actually. So um, within the social enterprise space, there's so many organizations that offer you mentors um, and also in, in the entrepreneurial space as well, not just the social space, but mm. offer you mentors. So we're, we're always surrounded by really amazing people. Um, that's for starters. And then I think because we naturally got quite a lot of press when we launched and a lot of attention, we want a BBC documentary, all those kind of things meant that the incoming opportunities and relationships was, was there as well. Yeah. And so for us, it was a combination of both. It was people hearing about us, but also through our networks, other people's networks and the story of, you know, being able to do good through in our case, coffee, um, re- reached a lot of people and then, the network screw and, and we just found and selected the best people out of that. And then now we've got two boards. One is our main board. So our trustees. And then the other side is our, our advisory board, which are people which um, come along and, and give us advice and directions and strategy, but might not have a, a voting share, so to speak. Okay. And as I understand it, um, you've had funding from a, a number of different angles. So Virgin startup, also the big issue and, and comic relief. Is, is that right? Yes, exactly. So we got, um, I mean, I started with Virgin Startup. We were, um, we'd made an order with our, um, uh, with our manufacturers for all of our coffee vans to start with. We ordered eight initially and we were missing, we had, we had funding, the funder pulled out because they didn't think the project would work. Mm. So then we went to Virgin Startup and said, look, we've got an unrealistic unrealistically short amount of time to get this done this is what we want to do um i don't personally have a huge background in coffee um but do you believe in the idea will you support us and out of nowhere they came they supported us they brought people in to kind of help with the business plan and 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 really kind of give us the guidance that we needed and they the money was sent to us literally the day, the, the deadline of the day before the manufacturer was going to stop huh. production wow. of, our, of our van. So, and then it got the vans got made and we went to press on the 23rd of November, 2015. And on that day, on that week, we had everyone from Sky News, CNN, Russia Today, BBC, ITV, all coming on that day. And it was, if it wasn't for that money from, Virgin and then paying for the final installment of deliveries, we would not have been able to open that day. We put a week afterwards, but we would have lost all that press attention and all that kind of uh, opportunity. So it literally all worked out perfectly. I didn't realize um, it was that tight. <laughs> it was absolutely that tight. And wow. it wasn't Virgin's fault, it was our fault for coming in at the last minute. Yeah. They pulled out all the stops to make it happen. Oh, that's quite and um, it was absolutely fantastic for us. And then we've got money from Comic Relief, which has been phenomenal and money from Big Issue Invest and also some other organizations like the Charities Aid Foundation that have helped us along the way with loans and grants um, to help our growth and development. And did, have you ever met John Bird from, from the Big Issue as, as part of the, the journey so far? Yes, quite a few times. I actually was in his, I stayed at his house uh, in Cambridge um, 
uh, a few months back. Um, oh, he's, cool. he's such an incredible inspiration, really. You know, he's obviously now Lord Burden. Mm. He's um, what he set out 25 years ago as part of the big issue has obviously stood the test of time and it's made a massive difference to vendors all over the country and also that the street paper model has been replicated all over the world. Um, so yeah, he's, he's an absolute inspiration for being able to take an idea and, and grow it to, to how successful the big issues been now. Mm. No, I've been liaising with, with, um, with his team about him. Uh, one, he wants to do an, an event down, down where we're based in, in Bournemouth and, and two, speak at one of the Virgin Startup events. So that's when I was thinking, oh, I could potentially get you both to do the same event because that would be pretty powerful. Um, I know he's based in London now, but he's specifically looking to do something down in the southwest. So um, that's when I had an inkling that I'd maybe ask yourself as well nearer the time. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, he's, I mean, I don't think um, he, he's got a huge amount of char- charisma and uh, an incredible personality and a wonderful story. So hopefully I can live up to those uh, standards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you will. Um, and talk to me a little bit about, um, I mean, literally it's two years then, just over two years since you, you started trading. Is that right? Yeah, two two years and two weeks. Two years, wow. So um, it, just tell um, our audience a little bit about uh, and the kind of rapid growth that you've gone from literally getting those initial vans um, two years ago for London and um, where you're at now, because I understand recently that you've um, managed to get into Sainsbury's and about to go um, with Ocado as well. Yes, exactly. So we've we've now got seventeen sites um, which we operate um, in a mixture of offices, um, our own vans. Um, we've just got now a new contract with Transport for London, where we're actually going to be opening sites in tube stations and train stations, and we're employing fifty percent of our staff who are sleeping homeless on transport for london sites so someone that's been sleeping on a transport on a bus or a train or in a tube station you know we're we're going to go out and find those people and employ them and employ them in those tfl sites so we've had a huge amount of support from tfl and also the mayor's office and um that's kind of a huge growth plan for us moving forward we sell coffee into offices like Groups like uh, UBS, Bank of New York, um, the Virgin headquarters in Paddington. Um, and it's essentially, you know, where there's an opportunity to sell coffee, we're providing an alternative to um, what's already on the market, but coffee that can taste the same, cost the same, but also change people, people's life at the same time. And I think that's a message that people are adopting quite quickly. Mm. Um, so the coffee, the, the office market is growing really quickly and uh, working with a wide range of caterers um, is really fantastic for us, but also getting our coffee into supermarkets has really helped to increase the scale of growth. So we're in 375 Sainsbury stores selling change piece coffee bags um, with 100% of the profits going to reduce homelessness across the UK. Uh, and also the coffee's won a great taste award. So it's doing good, but it's without compromise because I think that's one of the first things that people think about, you know, oh, this is taste, this does good, but, you know, it's just, I'm just doing it for charity. It's not going to taste good. So, you know, even the Sainsbury's buyer at the time was shocked at how good it tastes. And mm. with these, with the kind of uh, the, the Great Taste Award now, it really kind of proves that you can do good, but also not compromise at the same time. Yeah, and if you don't get um, if, if you don't get that product right, 
then you're not going to believe in it yourself, are you? And the person buying it is is going to feel slightly compromised as well, I'd imagine. Exactly. And we, what we what we saw was people will pick up the bags um, for the first time because of the social message, or it will get us listed because of the social message. Mm. But um, it won't. It will mean that customers won't come back if they take it home. They don't like it. They just won't buy and our growth our growth of sale is just absolutely fantastic at the moment the, the buyer is super happy um and now we're very close to finalizing talks of ricardo we're um speaking with retros and a range of other supermarkets to stock our coffee and provide an ethical alternative and a, and a socially socially ethical alternative to what's already on the on the shelves it's awesome and i also believe environmental sustainability is is high on your priorities with solar panels on the vans compostable cups and and coffee grounds being converted to biofuel as well yeah so we've we've we thought it would be slightly disingenuous if we just um focused on our part of the supply chain so we really like like to uh we really concentrated on where the beans come from so initially um we put a lot of emphasis on that and we now buy coffee from farmers in for example peru which support um, women who are victims of domestic abuse, farmers in Tanzania that support lama victims. The coffee then comes into the UK, we import it, and it's then roasted by people that are homeless at our sister company, Old Spike Roastery. And then when we receive the coffee, obviously you know what we do in terms of supporting people that have homelessness through selling the beans and selling the coffee to the public. But we also try to make sure that when we're selling that coffee, the... Um, the way we do it is so it's environmentally sustainable as well. So, as you said, we use uh, 100% compostable cups, we solar panels on our vans, and the, the waste grounds are converted into biofuel. So, literally, where the beans come from, the farmers that we're supporting, all the way up to where the ground, the, the, coffee, the waste coffee grounds go to, we've tried to make sure that that environmental and socially uh, focused um, sustainability is is evident in our supply chain. And I don't know. As as a question, getting you started on this, but do you do you think do you ever think Starbucks and Costa could ever be doing the same thing? Because you know, if someone can do it, everybody can do it. Surely. Well, 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 I hope so. I mean, the the thing with Starbucks and Costa and and Pret and the you know these organisations have essentially paved the way for groups like organisations like us to be able to do what we're doing. Mm. And if they hadn't created the coffee market and the um, the interest in coffee like that has been created in the UK, you know, we, we'd be selling pizzas or confectionery on, on the side of streets or in supermarkets. So they've really been able, they've created that marketplace, which is meant that people have the interest in coffee. And we've just chosen to, to um, also add elements of environmental and social sustainability to, to what we do. It's probably financially difficult for them. It's, to be able to do, you know, all of our surplus, so our profits, is reinvested into the additional cost that comes into buying a different cup or yeah. to paying £10.20 instead of £7.20 in, in wages, you know, per hour. So, you know, that means that we're essentially not making a surplus, we're not making a profit, which therefore doesn't pay any dividends or go back to any shareholders. So, realistically, it's, it's almost impossible for, uh, unless groups like Starbucks and um, Pret-a-Manger's became not-for-profits for them to do that as well. Mm. Um, however, you know, it just, 
if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. So I think there is a space for everybody. And the more that they grow and they develop and they, they lead the way in creating new flavors and taste profiles that we can, um, that we can offer a different alternative. It kind of creates different space in the market for us. Mm. So I think there's room for both organizations to be able to do what we're doing. And also if they do want to adopt the living wage and pay 10 pound 20 instead of what they're paying at the moment, then, I'm sure I'm sure their employees would appreciate that if they wanted to convert their waste coffee grounds into biofuel then I'm sure they their their, their customers would appreciate that but that's um it, you know it, it's it's a lot of credit needs to go to give them to what they've done in their coffee space already I reckon that's a, that's a great answer um and something I wanted to ask you on before we um we sign off is um when you attended the the disrupting for good leadership gathering on on Necker Island um just wanted to ask you what after attending that what does disruption mean to you and who did you meet and, and what kind of businesses and entrepreneurs were were there yeah so that was almost six months after we initially launched and um we got the invitation to go to uh Necker Island to mentoring from Richard Branson at the um at the leadership gathering that he put on and uh we did a we did a talk on change properties and what our ambitions for growth were and the people that were invited were all just absolutely incredible people from people that um are leading the way in global climate change to people that are trying to stop the death penalty in the u.s um and are speaking about how we can do business for good um, really was just an amazing opportunity to be even in the same room as those types of people and those individuals putting their minds together to try and make a difference is absolutely incredible you know from a network perspective from a financial perspective from a advice perspective for us it was absolutely incredible and it led to kind of opportunities for us in the US and we're now looking for sites in in New York and in San Francisco as well um, and we have a partner in, in Australia that's going to be opening change free sites in in Perth. Um, so that opportunity was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, getting mentoring from Richard Branson, I mean, I've fortunately, as I mentioned before, we get offers for a huge amount of mentors and, mm. you know, just spending the time we spent with him, you know, he instantly got the concept and, you know, within five minutes had ideas and suggestions and opportunities, which were just instantly flowing through him and that level of entrepreneurialism, which he embodies, um, it was just evident instantly. And I think that something f was just amazing for me to see in, in someone who's had that much experience and being able, can, can be able to give that much advice and support to somebody who's just at the start of their journey, um, which is absolutely incredible. So that whole experience of, of going to Necker and obviously it's, um, it's a shame what's happened to it now after the, after the storms. Um, mm -hmm. it was just such an incredible, beautiful space, but, um, it was just a, a memory that we'll never forget and has really helped us to launch pad into into where we are today yeah awesome and and, and how did the um the connection come up um with the states then with with america what's what's the story there so it was actually through three different uh three different attendees actually it was um hmm. kind of a few private family foundations who were there on the day and um, weren't mentioning names and it, it was you know as you can probably imagine they have some incredible contacts so we were introduced to um, the departments of the mayor's office in City Hall um, 
in New York and then also the equivalency in San Francisco in, in, in California. Mm-hmm. And I think that opportunity to kind of do good and reduce homelessness in those states where they have um, what they call a state of emergency for homelessness, but tap into, I think there has become a little bit of apathy with charity where mm-hmm. people are, you know, wondering whether or not they should donate and, and, and give money to charity and not seeing where that next where the money's actually going to be used and is it being used in operational costs or is it going to be used directly at source and I think there's become a, a little bit of apathy to do a charity that we've seen recently but if you can go and purchase a product which you would have purchased anyway in our case coffee and there isn't any compromise on the quality but you're doing good at the same time then I think that's a, that's a model which taps into the entrepreneurialism and the capitalist kind of values that exist in the US mm. and I think that's the um, that's what we've seen so far those opportunities are quite um, quite abundant and also tapping into the family foundations and the ph- philanthropic drive that exists in the US to try and help us grow in, into that market because you know we, the problem in the UK is is huge but the problem in the US is just insane it's just um far more visible and, uh, you know, much bigger numbers than we could ever imagine in the UK, which is for us a positive thing. Um, And therefore we think this model can really heavily scale in in the US market. Mm. No, no, I agree with you. I mean, you know, having flown back and forth to the States for 16 and a half years with, uh, with Virgin Atlantic and seeing San Francisco has got a massive problem. Remember Washington, absolutely phenomenal as well. And and I'm sure New York is on an unprecedented scale, given the size of the population there. Yeah, exactly. And I think we, I mean we're not we're not a um, we're not going to solve that problem. We're not going to get close. Mm. But I think it's a way of getting the ball moving and setting a tone and telling people that there's a different way of um, not to preach. We've just um, if if if, you, if someone types into Google um, homeless person saves woman from drowning in the tent, something like that. I think it will come up instantly. We've just we've just employed a guy who was. An executive chef in New York. He trained at Kemp's College, which is one of the best culinary colleges in 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 in, in New York State. And um, he worked as an executive chef. He came to the UK with his family in search for a job. He found a job here, which was a fantastic job. He then lost his wife and his daughter, and he became he- heavily depressed. I mean, rock bottom depressed. I mean, mm. he still tells me the t- story now. Um, that was in 2010. He ended up on the streets. He lost his job, lost his home, ended up on the streets. And then um, in, in uh, 2011, he heard a lady screaming as she jumped into the Thames. Um, and she was screaming as she was falling in. And he took off his clothes. It was icy waters. He dived in. He essentially saved her life you know and uh i was thinking about the other day you know if you're if someone's dived in to kind of end their life and you're following them to try and save their life you're putting yourself in incredible peril Mm. to kind of to do that so um in 2012 he was given uh the george award for bravery by the queen which is the highest civilian award that any civilian can get um he was also given the high commendation by prince philip um, also at Buckingham Palace, which hasn't been given to anybody in 43 years. Um, and, um, you know, he's a real-life hero. He's got the George Award for Bravery. That's the highest award for heroic, heroic award that you can be given. Mm. And even though that happened, and he was in every newspaper from the Times, the Metro, the Evening Standard, he was still homeless. And um, he spent from 2012 to 2017 
being homeless on the streets around Borough Market, around London Bridge area, sleeping on Nancy, the, the Nancy stairs. He had people urinate on him. He had people pour alcohol on him. And, and he is a real life hero. The word literally is bounded around so much these days, but it could not be more true for him. He's, you know, literally a hero. And we just walk past those people, not knowing who they are, what their background is, who they've helped, what, the, you know, are they a father or are they a accountant? Are they a doctor? Are they a, a hero in, in, in a Dan's case? And we put everybody in the same box as, um, as another person that might be dependent on drugs or alcohol because as soon as they sit on that street. So I think the, what, you know, and now he's working for us and he's, um, he's an incredibly valuable member of our team, adds a huge amount of value and, and also working as a chef in one of our restaurants and also as a barista. So the idea is, is if we can try and change that mentality of people um, when they walk past somebody on the street to um, think about who that person is and what, what value they can still offer to our society. That's where we deliver change, not necessarily by all of the individual people that we help because we can't help everybody. But if everybody that sees what we're doing thinks, okay, well, that homeless person is now serving somebody coffee and they're doing a great job and had a really wonderful experience with them. When you walk past that person next on the street and you see them asking you for money, what is that person's background? What has made them get to such a desperate state? Yeah, it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, which has forced them to kind of be able to cope. But what is it that brought them to that situation? How can we give them any support? And I think that's the message that we want to try and share in the UK, in the US, and try and change the stigma around homelessness. And that's how we deliver change, not just from the people that we help, but, but, but by the, the people that our customers go and then see and, and, and try and affect other people's lives that are on the street. That is one hell of a story. Yeah. Wow. He's pretty amazing. So, uh, and I can't believe he was homeless for, for, for all those years after what he did. I'm sure everybody listening yeah. will, will think the same thing, but, um, I think that's a, it's a great place to, um, to leave the story. I, I love your business. I, I love what you're doing and you, you have come a, have come a hell of a long way in, in two years. And, um, I love the fact that you, you are able to, to look back and appreciate that as well. Um, you know, for, from a conversation with a random stranger to, to now being able to help, um, people in, in multiple countries in, in many different ways is, um, is a great thing. And I think, you know, you said, we're not going to solve the problem, but I think, you know, small steps, consistent action. Um, if everybody did the same thing, would be able to solve uh, any myriad number of problems in the world. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and just, just last thing to say, Alex is, um, you know, we don't receive any grants or donations. We don't depend on them. We only operate through traded income and a hundred percent of that traded income goes to reducing homelessness. So if there is anybody that's listening who, you know, they're working in an office it's that's buying coffee and they want to change to change please and do good or if they have any contacts in for sites for us to operate at one of our coffee shops or anything which they feel they see coffee and they think it could change to change please then please let us know um it's our email address is simple hello at changeplease.org and uh, any support to help us continue trading make more money and reinvest all that money into doing good would be appreciated So there was my favorite interview of 2017, 2018, one year of Screw It, Just Do It um, podcast interviews. What I'm going to do, what I normally do, as you know, is just pull out some of my takeaways. And what I try to do is, is 
take one thing from each interview really and implement it into into my life, my business. Um, I'm going to flip that around. And what I'd like to know is what were your takeaways from listening to this particular episode? What resonated with you? Um, what can you take away that you believe will help you in your business, in your personal life? Um, and just tweet me at Alex Chisnell um, on LinkedIn as well, at Alex Chisnell or, or email alex at startupu.co.uk. So let's flip it around. You're probably listening to this um, on your commute or in the gym, walking to from work, maybe you're relaxing on, on, a, on the weekend. So um, whenever you're able to just hit your social media buttons on your phone where you'll know that listening to this, um, then please, please do. I love hearing from, from everybody. Obviously, love to get some reviews and ratings now that we're a year old. We've got a whole bunch of them on there, but um, it's great to get more. It just means you get higher up in the ranking so more people get to listen to the podcast and get some fantastic inspiration, such as has been demonstrated from, from Jamal there. So let me know your feedback, what your takeaways are from this particular episode. And also, as I said in the intro, let me know what your favorite episodes of 2017, 2018 was. You've got um, 69 episodes to choose from and a bunch of them had two entrepreneurs speaking on there as well. So we've got a whole load of interviews to, to choose from. Love to know your favorites. I've, I've certainly got mine. Um, never a dull moment in, in any of them. And just a reminder, um, as always, love to see people at our live events on the roadshows. Um, we've done 17 in the last 12 months. We've got two more in May. Uh, 17th, we are in Brighton and we are doing um, talking about how to launch a food drink startup and um, we've got some fantastic entrepreneurs speaking. We've got Susie Walker, who was actually on the podcast last week from um, the Primal Pantry. Um, we've also got um, Harry Clark from Pops, um, which is a fantastic um, ice popsicle alcoholic. Um, done some deals, uh, some JVs with um, with uh, Pims for one, um, which is really really cool. Everybody from from Gordon Ramsay to Miley Cyrus um, having their product um, got some great pictures on the website there. And finally, we've also got Dan Stockland, freestyle chef and Big Beach Cafe owner, along with his friend Norman Cook, aka Fatboy Slim, who have turned a little spot in Hove Lagoon, just outside Brighton, into a thriving uh, destination next to the beach there. So. Danny has got an amazing story. He's toured the world with people from Eminem to, to Robbie Williams cooking for them. So um, all three of our speakers know a thing or two about launching a food or drink business. Um, May the 23rd, um, this event could possibly be the most popular we've ever had because tickets have just gone bananas um, since we launched it. So inspiring women entrepreneurs in Bournemouth, May the 23rd. We've got Tara Howard, founder of the Venus Awards. We've got Megan Fairhall from Live to Smile. Erin Thomas-Wong from Making Mumpreneurs. Dawn Cook from Dynamic Women in Business. And Lucienne Elms from Horse Scout. So Five very, very different female entrepreneurs, all with a great story to tell. What we're proud of is the fact that whilst throughout the UK, there's only 19% of businesses that are owned by women, um, we've helped with startup loans, help found 
thousands of businesses all over the UK. And we're, we're very proud to say that 40% of these have gone to uh, women business owners. So we want to celebrate that and hold an event for women who want to start their own business or take their existing startup scale up to the next level. So all you need to do, all you need to do is go to Eventbrite, um, look in your town, Bournemouth or Brighton, um, or just go to our profile page on Eventbrite or our Facebook page, um, Startup U Limited, and grab yourself a ticket. We only keep them all at £10, just so there's a commitment um, for you to come. Otherwise, you know, if they're free, the no-show rate um, goes far higher, and you, you simply can't plan for these things, how many chairs you need, etc. In, in all honesty, we've tried everything. So that's what we've settled on, just to make it a token effort. Complimentary drinks. Amazing, inspiring entrepreneurs to help you, educate you, inspire you. Um, and I love I love what we do. And I've loved doing this for the last year. Um, Going to celebrate next week. I uh, want to know what your favorite episode is. Um, and also would love to know what you're struggling with, what challenges you've got in your business. Um, and can I help? If you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. That's startupu with the letter U. From there, you'll be able to see what live events we've got coming up and book a ticket from as little as £5, which includes a complimentary drink and the opportunity to network with like-minded entrepreneurs. Hope to see you soon. If you're an entrepreneur looking for funding, mentoring or support, go to startupu.co.uk. And if you'd like to share your startup story, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to the contact page on startupu.co.uk and we'll be in touch. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and I'd love it if you left me a review of the show. To connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook at Alex Chisnell. Until the next show, remember don't wait, the time will never be just right. Action always beats intention. This show is brought to you by RocketSpark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great-looking website. Each month, RocketSpark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screwitjustdoit to enter.